chapter 7, earlier during the first year of King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon, Daniel had a dream and saw visions as he lay in his bed. He wrote the dream down and this is what he saw. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of, the, of a great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the others. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off and it was left standing with its two hind feet on the ground like a human being. And a human mind was given to it. Then I saw a second beast and it looked like a bear and it was rearing up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and I heard a voice saying to it, get up, devour many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared and it looked like a leopard. It had four wings like bird's wings on its back and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. Then in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled what was left beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts, and it had ten horns. And I was looking at the horns. Suddenly, another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were wrenched out, roots and all, to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. I watched it. As thrones were put in place, and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was white as was as white as snow. His hair was like whitest wool, and he sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of fire flowed from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him, and a hundred million stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were opened. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. As for the other three beasts, their authority was taken from them, but they were allowed to live for a while longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone who looked like a man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, royal power over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Verse 15. I, Daniel, was troubled by all I had seen, and my visions terrified me. So I approached one of those standing beside the throne, and I asked him what it all meant. He explained it to me like this. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom, and they will rule forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the one so different from the others and so terrifying. It devoured and crushed its victims with iron teeth and bronze claws, and it trampled what was left beneath its feet. I also asked about the ten horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterwards and destroyed three of the other horns. This was the horn that seemed greater than the others and had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and was defeating them until the ancient one came and judged in favor of the holy people of the Most High. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. So he said to me, this fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling everything in its path. It's 10 horns or 10 kings that will rule that empire. Then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them. He will defy the Most High and wear down the holy people of the Most High. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws, and they will be placed under his control for a time, times, and half a time. But then the court will pass judgment, and all his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. They will rule forever, and all rulers will serve and obey them. That was the end of the vision I, Daniel, 
was terrified by my thoughts and my face was pale with fear, but I kept these things to myself. Chapter eight. During the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, saw another vision following the one that had already appeared to me. This time, I was at the fortress of Susa in the province of Elam, standing beside the Ulai River. As I looked up, I saw in front of me a ram with two long horns standing beside the river. One of the horns was longer than the other, even though it had begun to grow later than the shorter one. The ram butted everything out of its way to the west, to the north, and to the south, and no one could stand against it or help its victims. It did as it pleased and became very great. While I was watching, suddenly a male goat appeared from the west, crossing the land so swiftly that it didn't even touch the ground. This goat, which had one very large horn between its eyes, headed towards the two-horned ram that I had seen standing beside the river. The goat charged furiously at the ram and struck it, breaking off both its horns. Now the ram was helpless and the goat knocked it down and trampled it. There was no one who could rescue the ram from the goat's power. The goat became very powerful, but at the height of its power, its large horn was broken off. In the large horn's place grew four prominent horns pointing in the four directions of the earth. From one of the prominent horns came a small horn whose power grew very great. It extended towards the south and the east towards the glorious land of Israel. His power reached to the heavens where it attacked the heavenly realms, heavenly heavenly armies throwing some of the heavenly beings and stars to the ground and trampling them. He even challenged the commander of heaven's armies by canceling the daily sacrifices offered to him and by destroying his temple. But the army of heaven was restrained from destroying him for this sin. As a result, sacrilege was committed against the temple ceremonies and truth was overthrown. The horn succeeded in everything it did. Then I heard two of the holy ones talking to each other. One of them said, how long will the events of this vision last? How long will the rebellion that causes desecration stop the daily sacrifices? How long will the temple and heaven's armies be trampled on? The other replied, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings and the temple will be restored. As I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision, someone who looked like a man suddenly stood in front of me. I heard a human voice calling out from the Ulai River, Gabriel! Tell this man the meaning of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand the events you have seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. While he was speaking, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground, but Gabriel roused me with a touch, helped me to my feet. And then he said, I am here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. What you have seen pertains to the very end of time. The two-horned ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy male goat represents the king of Greece. And the large horn between its eyes represents the first king of the Greek empire. The four prominent horns that replaced the one large horn show that the Greek empire will break into four sections and four kings, none of them as great as the first. At the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, a fierce king, a master of intrigue, will rise to power. He will become very strong but not by his own power. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything he does. He will destroy powerful leaders and devastate the holy people. He will be a master of deception, defeating many by catching them off guard. Without warning, he will destroy them. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he will be broken, though not by human power. This vision about the 2300 evenings and mornings is true, but none of these things will happen for a long time, so do not tell anyone about them yet. Verse 27, then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Afterward, I got up and performed my duties for the king, but I was greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. And that makes two of us. (laughs) 
we've been doing this for a while, which is reading through these and then inviting, hey, what do we see? What jumps out at us? So there's a lot, of, there's a lot there. I've got a few things I want to share, but I'm curious. What jumps out? What do you guys see? What do you sense? I kind of figured this might be the response. <laughs> the power struggle going on. What else? God is in control. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> what else do we see? Yeah, it's a great insight. Daniel didn't understand it, so his first response is to ask the Lord for help. Help me understand it, which I think sometimes we forget that when we're going through the scriptures and, and, we're, and we're walking through life and stuff happens that we really don't understand, that it is totally okay to just sit with the Lord and say, hey, I need you to help me understand it. What else? Yeah. Not for his own sin, but for the sin of his people as well. Louder? The son of man is the ultimate winner. I love it. He is. We don't fight against flesh and blood. How many have grown up in cultures where you've been taught a lot of end times eschatology stuff? I want to talk a little bit about this from the lens of um, how I think we should approach these passages. I think chapters seven and eight are linked. The reason we link them together is really because chapter eight really kind of explains part of chapter seven. So I think looking at them together makes more sense. Daniel's troubled by not knowing what it meant and he was looking to understand his vision. Therefore, the desire to understand this, the desire to understand end times theology, the desire to have answers to this, I think is actually not wrong. It's actually encouraged in the scriptures. I look at Daniel's model to understand it and go, okay, that gives me permission to understand it. I want to work on this from the lens of what we can know definitively. I want to look at that, and I want to look at what we can't know definitively. There's a bunch of different methods of interpretation that have been applied to these passages throughout the years. Depending on where you were at in history, these passages were interpreted very, very differently. I think we have to be willing to embrace that all of these efforts to interpret this, even if we completely disagree with them, were at the root an attempt to understand the scriptures so we can at least honor that journey. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of the sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the other. So in verse 17, we're told that those great beasts, which are four, are the four kings that arise out of the earth. So let's talk about the first beast. It was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off, and it was standing with its two hind feet on the ground like a human being, and a human mind was given to it. Does that remind us of anything else we've studied in the book of Daniel? Nebuchadnezzar. If you remember Nebuchadnezzar's journey, Nebuchadnezzar... It says what was, was drunk with power, was so, has so struggled with humility that God made a decision with him and he banished him for a season of seven. We, it could be seven months or seven years. There's a lot of argument that both directions. It doesn't really matter. We know he was banished long enough that it says his hair grew like eagle's feathers, that his nails grew like talons, and that his mind was stripped from him. And at the end, his sanity returned to him. The Lord restored it. His human mind was given. 
The lion was symbolic of the kingdom of Babylon and a man's heart. It was most notable of Nebuchadnezzar. If we look at the expositor's Bible commentary, we'll say this. The lion symbol was characteristic of Babylon, especially in Nebuchadnezzar's time, when the Ishtar gate entrance was adorned on both sides of a long procession with yellow lions on blue-grazed brick. So this was a symbol that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar chose for Babylon. He actually chose that lion with wings. And so this first... This eagle's wings being plucked from the lion were symbolic of this time when Nebuchadnezzar is pushed into this insane position and then he's humbled by God. His goal there was to learn that God rules, the most high rules. If we look at Nebuchadnezzar's rule, this is what this first beast is. He rules from Babylon to Asia Minor, from the Caspian Sea to Egypt, and he reigns in Babylon for 43 years. This happens from 604 to 561 B.C., The second beast comes up, and it looked like a bear. It was rearing up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and I heard a voice saying to it, get up, devour many people. So the beast being raised up on one side represents the Persians being greater than the Medes. If you study the the Persian and the Median Empire, there's definitely a a power struggle internally. The Persians end up really influencing it. It doesn't, it it reads like a 50-50 split of the Persian-Median Empire. It's really not. This is made plain to Daniel in a vision two years later. So the reason we look at eight is because eight talks about what's going on in seven. Daniel's told by Gabriel in eight that the ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. Three ribs that are devoured represent three empires conquered by Persia's first great king, Cyrus the Great and his son Cambyses II. So Cyrus comes to power in 558 BC and conquers the Lydian Empire In 546, in the Chaldean Empire, in 539, Cambyses conquers Egypt in 525. This Medo-Persian Empire lasted for 200 years and under later kings expanded to Greece in the west and India in the east. At one point, the Persian Empire covered parts of three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe. But it comes to an end. The thing that I'm caught the most with in this is the reality that God is releasing to Daniel knowledge that there's absolutely no way Daniel could have had, and it's getting ready to happen. So we look at this second beast and realize it's the Median Persian Empire. We have the beauty of hindsight, correct? We have the ability of standing here in 2019, being able to look at world history, which somebody asked me this week, what do you think Daniel would do if he showed up in our gathering? I'm like, he would look at a history log and go, oh, well, some of this could have been here and some of this could have been here. The third beast of these strange beasts appears and the scripture says it was like a leopard, four wings like a bird's wings on its back and it had four, it had four heads and great authority was given to this beast. So the third beast in chapter eight is clearly identified again by the angel Gabriel. It was Greece. The first king, who knows who the first king of Greece was? Alexander the Great. The symbol of the leopard with four wings portrays the swiftness. If you study history, Alexander makes one of the most incredibly quick rises to power of any king in the world. By 28 years of age, he has mostly conquered the world around him. So he rises to power quick and conquers the Persians, but has a very untimely death 
in 323 BC, at which point his empire is divided into four smaller kingdoms. The new kingdoms were Greece and Macedon, Thrace and Asia Minor, Middle East Asia, and Egypt, Palestine. The last two were ruled by Seculus, who began the Seculid Empire, and Ptolemy, who began the Ptolemaic Empire. These two kingdoms are called the North and the, king, the kingdom of the north and the kingdom of the south. We could look forward into Daniel 11 and have him come back in and explain that. So approximately two centuries later, it, it will say there's a bunch of scholars that believe two centuries later, the fourth beast steps up. Here's where I want to push pause. I want to be careful to say what can we know. So far, here's what we can know. We can know who the first was. The first represents the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, because that's very clear through history, and it's clear even through the way it's portrayed in the scriptures. The second can be very clearly understood as the Median Persian Empire, because Angel Gabriel, how many know if the Angel Gabriel tells you what something is, you probably could bank on it? <laughs> the third we know is Greece, because again, the Angel Gabriel explains what it is. I want to talk about what we can't know. Scripture will say, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So what we know about this fourth beast from Gabriel is it is a fourth world power. It's the last world power to rule prior to the holy people of God being given the kingdom. Now, I would submit to us something that we, that we have to, I think we have to embrace. We don't actually know what this fourth kingdom is. I think we know what it could be and what it might be. There are many, depending on where you're at in history, Martin Luther, the great reformer, believed without question this fourth beast was the Holy Roman Church. There's some that believe it was the Roman Empire. There's others that would see it as the European Union that was formed in 1948 forward. What we can know is that there's a very clear spiritual agenda to this world power that's different than the three prior. There's a very clear spiritual agenda against the people of God. Some would interpret the people of God here as being specifically the nation of Israel. Others would interpret it as being Christians, all believers. What I'm actually concerned with in this is not what does it mean. What I'm concerned with in this is how do we apply this moment? Because remember, we're studying Daniel because we're looking at Daniel. We're considering this question. How does Daniel handle these things in his life? And there's two things that jump out to me that I really want to highlight. The first one is this phrase, the ancient one. I don't know if you're like me, but just saying that feels good. The ancient one. That he sits down to judge. He's in control. As I watched Thrones were put in place and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing white as snow, his hair like whitest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire and a river flowed from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him and a hundred million stood to attend him. There's something so comforting about 
the way this is portrayed. It almost feels like Daniel takes poetic pause and says, I gotta let you know what I just saw. I just saw the king of glory. I saw him step into all this chaos and everything shifted and changed because he was there. What I wanna highlight is what the ancient one is watching. He's watching his people and he's watching world events. I believe the ancient one in this text is very clearly watching his people to see how they're managing these events. He's in control, but he appears to be allowing something to happen for the purpose of refining, coaching, and growth. For me, I realized this, and it let, I need to let it cause me to realize that my concern should be about the things he's given me to control. If I understand that the Holy One, the Ancient One, sits in control on His throne, then the only thing that causes me any real concern is am I handling what He's given me correctly? Because all of us should be able to read this and recognize it actually doesn't really matter what happens because the Ancient One is sitting on the throne and He's absolutely in control. To those who would put him first, to those who would align their lives with him, who would, who would focus on him, he is going to protect them, watch over them, and in the end, preserve them. So for me, Daniel's response to all of this becomes the focus point. Because the vision ends with, with two sayings. In chapter seven, it ends with this statement. My thoughts greatly troubled me and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So we see Daniel just clearly doesn't freak out. He doesn't go into this incredible worry about what's going to happen. I don't know if, how we, he just says, I held it in my heart. But it's chapter eight. Then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Afterward, I got up and performed my duties for the king. But I was greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. I want you to just think about that phrase. Daniel had Gabriel, the archangel, explain it to him. And at the end said, I still don't know what it means. That gives me a peace and a permission to know I don't actually have to have the total answer either. And I think we make a mistake in the church when we feel like we have to be able to identify dates and times and seasons and say, I know exactly what that's going to be. Daniel saw all this and didn't know. But I want to really call us to Daniel's response because in the midst of this, he's disturbed, he's unable to understand it, and yet we see him return to his prior position and remain faithful to serve in his role and reflect the character of God in his day and in his time. You see, no matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter where we're at in the world events, I don't know about you, but I grew up my whole life being told we're in the end, we're in the end, we're in the end. I would say this, from this text, we are in the last season. There is no question about it. We are somewhere in that fourth world power. Whether it has come and gone and we're, I don't really, I actually think there's so much focus on this and not enough focus on the character of Daniel. Because what I see Daniel do is in the midst of all this chaos, he gets up and he goes back into the marketplace to be incredibly faithful, to be a man who honors God and influences the world around him. And he rests in this place saying, I don't know what I just saw, but I know who's in control of it, so I'm good. I can go back and do me. We're to be people who are faithful to serve and perform our duties in the marketplace, to live with the wonder of this, to live maybe with the trouble of, 
I don't know what this means. And if you're here saying, well, pastor, I know what it means. No, you don't. Because neither did Daniel. I have studied this for years. I started my journey at 16, 17, reading Revelations almost monthly because I was so fixated in it, so worried about when is it going to happen? Am I going to get to have kids? And Anybody else wrestle with that? I got, I've come to a place now where I could honestly say I almost don't care. I'm so in love with Jesus and just hanging out with him. I love the gift we have to be able to just serve him honor him, love him, love other people. I love the city he's given us to live in. And I would say this, if he comes back tomorrow, my answer would be, love it, let's go. If he comes back 60 years from now, my answer is, what a privilege to live this life before you. I wanna challenge us to become Daniel in the marketplace, to put all of this aside and say, my job from my father, the ancient one, is to walk into that marketplace and be faithful to reflect his character. Let's stand. 